Open Arms Church. It's Larry Bry here bringing you greetings from the other side of the pond. Especially want to say hi to Pastor Sean and Jill and the boys. I love you guys. And I feel like I'm talking to family. I really feel like I'm talking to my family right here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Because I've been over there. I spent time with you and constantly talking to Pastor Sean. And he's bragging on your ministry. Talking about all the incredible things that God is doing in and through you. And over the last several years, I've had the privilege of meeting about monthly with Pastor Sean. And what I would want to speak over you, church, and what I would want you to know about your pastor is he's the real deal. It's really easy to be a public success and a private failure. But I've had a chance to spend time with him and Jill, seeing their marriage, that it's strong, it's healthy, to see his boys and the way he loves them and the way he, he treats them and raising them up and, and the way he speaks about you. And so Open Arms Church, I am so proud of you. I love you. And it's just an honor to get a chance to open up God's word with you today. Now, as we're beginning this new year, 2024, everybody's got your resolutions and all the things you're gonna get to, but I wanna speak a word over you today that I think can set the direction for what God wants to do in you and through you in this next year, but not just through you individually and not just through your family, but through your church. I speak over, this over you, open arms. I think God has given you a voice to be one of the leading churches in your nation. I believe it. I believe and I declare revival is coming to Ireland and he's bringing it through you. He's bringing it through your church. He's bringing it through your pastor. Get ready, open arms. What God is gonna continue to bring to you and what he's gonna do in you, it's going to be amazing. But we gotta get ready. God is the God who brings the resource, but we're the people to prepare it to prepare the place for the blessing to rest. That's what we're gonna do. So open arms, are you ready? Say ready, say I'm ready. No, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear you enough. Say I'm, I'm ready. That's it. Let, let's, let's turn to Leviticus. I know maybe an odd place to start this message, but it was a word that, that God spoke to nation Israel that I really feel like he wants you to hear right now in this season. Out of Leviticus chapter 23, it starts in verse nine. It says, the Lord said to Moses, he said, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you enter the land, I am going to give you and you reap its harvest. Bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain you harvest. It's a wonderful passage because at this point, nation Israel has been wandering in the wilderness for all of these years. They were in 400 plus years of Egyptian slavery and then they were uh, wandering in the desert for some 40 years before they finally got into the promised land. And God is speaking over them. He's saying, I will bring you into the land. He says, I'm gonna do it. Do you know that God is the God of the promise? Every word from God is yes and amen and not one word from the Lord will ever fail. He's the one who said, I'm gonna bring you into the promised land. This is the promise I have for you. And if it's God's promise to you, he will accomplish it through you. He is a good God and he keeps all of his promises, but he's preparing the Israelites for what he has prepared them for. He prepared them to be a blessed nation. He prepared them to stand in a blessing, to stand in 
the promised land, but they've been wandering for all of these years. And God says, I need to prepare you for what I prepared you for. Open Arms Church. I think what God wants you to hear this day is he's preparing you for something. It will look so different than what was before. But what happens is when we walk into a new season, if we don't see the new, we just repeat the old. Open Arms Church. Nation Israel is a nation that has been wandering. And what happens when you've been living in the desert and you've been living in the wilderness, you start having wilderness thinking. The title for today's message is First Things First. Say it to your neighbor. Say it to your favorite neighbor. Say, first things first. When I was a boy, my mom, when, I'm one of five kids. When, when we would come to dinner at night, uh, we would all get at the kitchen table and we'd just start grabbing food because we're all hungry, we're all starving. And she, she'd say, stop it. First things first, boys. What she meant is like, okay, let me say the blessing first, mom. You're right, first things first. My mom knew something about me when I'm specially starved. When I'm really, really hungry, I go right to what I think I, 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 I want, but it's not necessarily what I need in that moment. As I got a little older, uh, I would go out and hang out with my friends. And then my mom would say, hey, when you come home at night, you're going to come in and you're going to give me a hug. So when I would come in late at night, maybe later than the curfew time, and I might have been doing some stuff I shouldn't have been doing. I would try to sneak in the house real quiet. And my mom would be like, hey, Larry, before you go to bed, first things first. And man, I needed to go give her a hug. And then as I got older, if I was going to go somewhere, she would always say, as soon as you get there, please call me first things first. There's something about my mom who was trying to help keep the priorities for my life directly in front of me. First things first. God knows nation Israel. He knows that they've been living in the wilderness and in slavery for all of these years. And when you're living in scarcity, you start to see that I don't have enough. But when you live in scarcity long enough, like you don't have enough, you start to feel like, and I'll never be enough. You see, nation Israel had this problem that they lived in the wilderness for so long. They started to not just live in the wilderness. They started to not just um, live in slavery. They started to think like slaves. They started to think like wilderness. So what God is saying is before I take you into the promised land, I need you to remember first things first. God wants to take you into a new season. But if you bring an old mindset into a new season, you reproduce the old. And what God wants to say is, I'm going to bring you into the promised land. But if you bring slave thinking into the promised land, you reproduce it in the blessing I want to bring to you. So God is saying the first things first. He's speaking about priorities. Because you need to understand that, that as sons and daughters of the Most High God, we have direct access to Him. We have the ability to come into His presence. But scarcity makes you feel like you're not even worthy coming into His presence. I wonder how many of you are living life with a scarcity mentality. 
I wonder in what areas are you accepting crumbs when God has given you a seat at the table? That's what God wants to tell the nation Israel. He says, I've not punished you. I've not left you. I love you. And I'm going to bring you into a land that is blessed. But if you don't see yourself as blessed, you won't receive the blessing. I wonder what times in my life I missed a blessing because I was having a scarcity mindset. When I grew up, we were really poor. My family, one of five kids, like I mentioned earlier, and we were so poor, we qualified for free government food. And, I, and, and here's the thing about scarcity, is when you don't grow up with much, and you put a little in your hand. So let's say I got a, a $100 bill and I put it in my hands. When you don't grow up with much, scarcity says I need to hold on to. And I start squeezing it. But God can't bless a clenched fist. God, God, God can't bless what I try to control. He can't bless what I hold on to. And some of you, scarcity says I need to hold on to everything I got. But God says I can't get in there if you're squeezing the blessing right out of it. This is why some of you struggle with relationships. It's because you were hurt at a very young age and it wounded you and that hurt, that pain, it made you, made you close up. And some of you are walking through life like this, trying to protect yourself. But the idea of opening back up, it's like, oh, it's scaring you. Cause like, you mean to open up and love again? To open up and trust again? To open up and let somebody come close. No, 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 I need to, to run from that. I wonder what scarcity mentality is robbing you of intimacy that God wants to bring into your life. And I think what God is speaking over you is first things first. So as the Israelites were preparing, God says, hey, when you get in there, when, when you cut the crops down, the first part of it is going to go to God. First things first. Now it's funny if you follow the story of the Israelites right as they're about to enter into the promised land because that Leviticus passage was spoken years before they would actually enter into it. I wish it were so simple that if God says it like the next day it would happen. God's promises are yes and amen but they don't come with a timeline. They, they don't come with, oh, it'll be three years until you have the kid. Oh, it'll be 10 years until the thing gets restored. Oh, it'll be six months until the thing. God's promises don't come with, with a timeline. But I would also tell you is they do not come with an expiration date. And what happens, and so many of us get so disappointed in life, it's because we expected something to happen on a timeline that God never gave us. It was a timeline we drew up or is a timeline somebody else gave you? Some of you, you don't even want to see your grandma. Why? Because every time you see her, she says, well, are you dating anybody yet? And grandma, if you ask me that one more time, I'm going to Because you're tired of people asking you, when is this thing going to happen? And you'll kind of say, well, it'll happen by next year or it'll happen by Christmas and Christmas comes and next year the calendar gets turned another page and we're not standing in the promise we thought we would have by this point. I have to believe that's the way nation Israel operated. Because they knew they were God's chosen people. They knew they had this promise. Yet they looked around and what they saw was slavery. Some of you are looking at a situation that does not line up 
with what you, God believe, what you believe God spoke about you. And you're faced with this tension of faith. Here's what I know God said and the word says. But here's what I'm staring at. How can I keep believing for this when I'm looking at that? That's real faith. And what happens in our lives, rather than be, so we don't be disappointed again, we just stop believing or expecting for anything. Some of us, I'm so proud of you. You're in church today or you're watching this at a later time. Praise God. That's awesome. That's huge. But you used to have this level of faith that expected something to happen. But you got punched in the face and rather than keep expecting, you just lowered your expectation a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. Not because you don't love God. You just don't want to be disappointed anymore. And so what happens with the level of expectation, rather than it being high and expecting God's best, you've lowered to the point that you're no longer disappointed anymore. And now you're tripping over it. And I have to believe the, the Israelites, as they were getting ready to walk into the promised land, they were feeling all those things. Just like you and me, you hear the stories and yeah, everybody else would get blessed and everybody else would have it happen. But what? about me and I want to tell you open arms God sees you he's not forgotten you he's not abandoned you he's not left you he's not rejected you he's not given up on you he loves you and his promises are still available to you to you and to me and I believe that if you have claimed Christ as your savior if you've trusted in him if you've asked him to forgive you of all of your sins he resides in you and he calls you son and he calls you daughter and the promises are available to you. And as the Israelites were about to walk into that promise about right before they go into the promised land, there's this cool story that happens in, in Joshua chapter one. In, in Joshua chapter 111, God tells us to Joshua, he says, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving to you for your own. Imagine this. They've been wandering for 40 years and then coming out of all that slavery, they walk right to the edge of the Jordan River and they can see the promised land just, just beyond it. It's just right over there. And then God says, wait three days. <laughs> like, What? <laughs> It's kind of like you've been waiting to get married your whole life and then like right before the honeymoon, God says, wait. You're like, what are you talking about? I can see the blessing, God. Like, why can't I go into it? And he had him wait three days. And I thought about it. Why? Why three days? And it made me think about other places in scripture where three days is significant. Three days is the length of time that our Savior died before he was resurrected. And what I have to believe about the situation is God says, I'm going to bring you into the land that I promised you. But before I bring you in, something must die. Open arms church, watching right now. What is God telling you that you must die? Something must die before God can bring you into this new season. God wants to revive that relationship. God wants to bring that into your life. But he says, if you take that old thinking into that new thing, you will recreate the old in the new. Open arms. God is going to bring you into something new. Individually, 
and collectively as a church. But before he has you cross the Jordan and step into that, something must die. Holy Spirit, would you show us right now what you want to die? Maybe it's that way you see yourself as small and you see yourself as insignificant. I remember when I was a kid, when I was probably about 12 or 13, I told my dad, I'm gonna go to college one day. My dad was, he struggled with alcoholism his whole life. And, and he said to me, and I, he laughed before he, said, he started laughing. And he said, you're too, you're too bleep. He said, you're too stupid to go to college. And I remember when I was applying for college, filling out this application, I threw the first application away. Why? Because I heard the laughter of my dad and his voice telling me, you'll never be smart enough to do it and maybe that's what God wants to die in you the way you see yourself you see yourself as small you see yourself as insignificant well God wants to bring you a big blessing but when you see yourself as little you can't receive what God is wanting to bring into your life and for some of you it feels like you've been at the Jordan River for a long time that's not God punishing you that's God protecting you. That's God saying, over there, it's going to happen. But I'm not going to bring you into it until you're ready to receive it. It's just beautiful the way our God is loving and he's kind and he's protecting you. And he wants you to have that thing. But he wants you to enjoy it, not destroy it. I didn't get married till I was 30. On the underside of 30, I used to wonder like, what, well, God, look at all these other people getting married and they're so much worse than me and when am I gonna get my blessing? But it wasn't until I got to the other side of 30 that I realized if I would have got married in my early 20s, I would have been on my third marriage because I was not ready to receive it until something died in me. What does God want to, to die in you? What is that old mindset, that old way of thinking? Because the reality is I can come to church with a new outfit, but when I got an old perspective, I cannot receive a new blessing. God wants to bring you a new blessing. And he says, nation Israel, I'm gonna bring you in, but I need you to wait three days. And then he brings them into the promised land. But going back to the Leviticus passage, God said, all right, when you go into the land, you're going to plant crops and I need you to know that that is the blessing I made available to you. Because when we don't have anything, and here's the blessing of scarcity. The blessing of scarcity is it forces dependence on God. Because when you don't have anything, it's easy to say, God, I need you because you don't have anything. But what happens with the burden of abundance is you start to not depend upon the Lord anymore. There's some watching this video that once upon a time you were very dependent on God because the gift of scarcity forced dependence on him. But scarcity can also become a burden or it can be a blessing, but so can abundance. And when God starts to bless you, our human nature is to forget God. God knows that the Israelites were a forgetful people. And he knows that you and I, that we are forgetful people.
So the Leviticus passage, when God says, when you go into the land, bring the priest the first tenth of the crop. He is instituting a thing called the first fruits. Say first fruits. Come on, open arms. Say it a little bit louder with me. Say first fruits. And the principle of the first fruits is because God knows that you and I, we are selfish people. God wants to be first in our lives. And when he's going to take you into the promised land, nation Israel, when you start seeing all of the blessing, all the abundance, if you don't put God first in that, you won't think you need God anymore. So God says, I'm not going to bring you into it until you learn how to use it and how to steward it. It's the first fruits. And from the first fruits, it's, it's the, when you plant the land, Israelites, that first tenth, you're only going to cut that down and then you take it to the priest. And in fact, it, it, it was in such a way that until you brought the first tenth, that other 90 couldn't even be touched. It can't be blessed until the first 10% is blessed. Because what I would want to speak over you is God wants to be first. And, and I'm going to contradict myself here for just a second. Because some of us start there like, I'm going to put God first this year. I'm going to say you don't put God first this year. Here, here's the way I wrote it that I would want to speak it over you. God doesn't want to be first on your list. He wants to be the first part of everything on your list. Because if I take a checklist approach to God, this is often what we do when we say, I'm going to put God first. I, go, I can create a list of like, go to the bank, go get, a, get a haircut, uh, go to church. And now faith becomes a checklist mentality. I wonder how many of us have a checklist approach to faith that kind of checks the box. Like I, I go to the bank, check. I, I go to the grocery store, check. I, uh, I go to church, check. And when we live a checklist approach, we live a very fragmented life. We separate going to church from being the church. And when I use a checklist approach to faith, I can, I can check the box and go to church on Sunday morning, but then I can go out to the bar on Saturday night with all my buddies because I live a fragmented life. And when, when I take a checklist approach to God, I can check the box like I, like I watched church this week, but yet I can, I can use that language and cuss out my wife. Do you have a checklist approach to God? Because when we do, we say, God, I'm going to do this for you and this is yours. But the rest of this, this is mine. Because what God wanted nation Israel to know with the first fruits is to understand that everything belongs to God. Everything is his. And when you bring him the first tenth, the first fruits, that's where we get our concept of the tithe. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, now he's going to talk about money. Yes, I'm going to talk a little bit about money. Because actually that's one of the hardest areas to trust God. Would you believe this? It's sometimes easier for us to trust God with our eternity than it is with our checkbook. Because I can trust God with the future and heaven and all those things. But it's actually harder to trust God with my finances. It's Harder to trust God with the budget for this month. But the principle of the first fruits and the principle of the tithe doesn't just relate to finances. What if I were to teach you this? What if I were to teach you how to tithe 
on your thoughts. Because the, the tithe means I bring it to God first. God wants to be first in your life. Not just first on the list, but he wants to be the first part of everything in your life. So if you were to tithe on your thoughts, what would it look like if you were to take God your first thoughts rather than the leftover thoughts? How would your life change if you tithed on your thoughts? What if you were to tithe on your emotions? That the first emotions you bring to God, God, I'm gonna bring it to you first. And you were to say, these emotions are coming. God, what do you think about these? Rather than responding and reacting from the flesh. What if I were to teach you to tithe on your words, your language? How would your life be dif different if you disciplined your tongue to bring God your first words? How much less regret would you and I have if we would have done that? Because God wants to be the first part of every area of your life. So child of God, what does it mean for you to first things first this year? I wanna challenge you. I wanna challenge you to think about the areas of your life and how do I put God first in every area? I, I wanna ask you to consider this. Maybe, maybe pray this with me. Holy Spirit, where am I not putting you first? What comes to mind? Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's with your children. Maybe it is with your thoughts. Maybe it is with your emotions. Maybe it is with your finances. God wants to be first in every area. But the only way that area of my life is blessed is if I put God first in it. But scarcity, when you live in scarcity, scarcity makes you close a fist around. Remember how we talked about that earlier? Scarcity makes you hold on to and put it in your pocket. That's why it can't be blessed. But to make it be first means I'm gonna give it to you, God. I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna bring it into your presence first. That's the first fruits. Nation Israel, you're a forgetful bunch. When you get into the promised land, when you start seeing all the crops, when you start seeing all the blessing, I need you to remember to put me first. That's why he told them, before you touch any of the land, that first tenth, you bring it to him. I think my mom was on to something all those years ago. Hey, first things first. She was helping me prioritize my life. Open arms. What if I were to teach you to tithe on your relationships? Consider this. And here's a challenge I'm going to give you. Because open arms, in the next year, two years, the kind of growth that you're going to see in your church is going to be ridiculous. It will be the kind of thing that people from across Europe are gonna fly to Dublin to learn from you. That's what God is bringing to you. And it's not just gonna happen because we sit back and we hope for it. No, 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 it's because we bring something to God for him to do something with. So I wanna teach you to tithe on your relationships. Look, consider this with me. What would it look like if you were to, to take access and list out all the people that God has given you access to? Get a piece of paper and you draw circles on it. I'm gonna draw a circle that says family. I'm gonna write all the names. Then I got my friends and then I got 
my kids' soccer, football clubs. Um, I've got all these different areas. And you start to actually list out and number the people that God has given you direct access to. Here's what I would tell you. God has not just given you access to those people for your enjoyment. He gave you access for his influence. God wants to influence the world through you. Not just for you to enjoy. Yes, enjoy them. But you need to understand that God wants to influence through you into those people. Let's say he's giving you access to 100 people. And some of you, God has blessed you relationally beyond your wildest measures. But what happens is with scarcity tells you you don't have enough. And it's hard to see what I have when my fist is clenched around it. And God's blessed you. He's given you so many relationships. But what happens when you live in scarcity is it's easy to complain. And I fail to remember what God has given me. And I doubt he'll bring me any more. I don't have anybody. Nobody even cares because I'm operating with scarcity. But to open up and say, oh, wow, God, you have given me all this. God, thank you. Thank you for all the relationships you brought into my life. Let's say he's given you 100 relationships. Here's my challenge to you, Open Arms. All of us agree we want to see a great move of God in our nation. All of us want to see the gospel advance and radically transforms neighbors and communities and schools and businesses. And I'm praying with you and I'm praying for just the Holy Spirit to be a mighty rushing wind all across your country. But he's going to do it through your whisper. He's going to do it through your words. He's going to do it through your invitation. Here's the principle of the tithe. Whatever God gave you, the first tenth goes back to him. And the other 90 can't be blessed until that first 10% is. Here's the tithe on the relationships. He's giving you access to 100. Let's say that. What's a tithe? Tithe means 10th. One-tenth of it. That would be 10 people. Open arms. Here's my challenge to you. Will you bring the tithe into his presence? I'm not just talking about money. Because the greatest resource God will ever give you is not finances. It is people. It is friends. It is family. God wants you to bring the tithe. Bring the people into his presence. Will you identify and will you commit to bringing those 10 people back into his presence? Open arms. Dublin. Newbridge. My gosh, how would you grow if every one of you committed to bring a tithe back into his presence? Think about the, how full these rooms would be. Look around, look around your auditorium. My gosh, we've got too many empty seats for the amount of people that need to come into relationship with Jesus. And I'm challenging you to bring it into his presence and watch God bless them. Watch God move in their lives. Watch God change generations through you. First things first, open arms. It's all about people encountering Jesus. How is he going to move in their life? Through you. Through your invitation. Through your persistent nagging and inviting them to church with you. I even give some of you permission to lie, like a Rahab lie. Invite your buddy that you used to go to the bar with. Oh, it would force you to deal with some of the shame issues that have made you see yourself as small. Oh, you mean God wants to develop you? Yeah, that buddy that you used to go to the bar with, used to go to the club with, now you invite him to church with you. But use that Rahab lie. Say, I'd love to invite you to this new club I found. There's lights and pretty girls there too. Like, so cool, that's all good. Do what you gotta do to get them 
in the room with you. But it would be remiss if I didn't talk about finances. I believe the blessing over open arms will be great. But we need resource to advance the mission and the gospel. And I want to challenge some of you. What does it look like to put God first in the area of your finances? Some of you are like, I don't have enough left to tithe. That's because you're putting God last. And if you build a budget and you make him first, you will always have enough to tithe. Oh, but I don't have enough at the end. Well, that's because I got too much done here. But if you put him first, you will always have enough to tithe. And here's the reality. 90% can be blessed when you bring God the first 10%. And I've been walking with God too long and have seen his faithfulness too much to know that 90 under the blessing of God is way more than 100 in my hands. Open arms. You're a church of generosity. Thank you. Look back, you see the story of faithfulness. God showing up. But now what I want to do is to challenge you in this next season. First things first. How are you going to put God first in your language with your family? Holy Spirit, tame my tongue. Discipline my mouth so that words of blessing would flow and not cursing. I, I'm going to put him first. First things first in my mind. And I'm going to take my thoughts to him first. And it's the scriptures to make him obedient to God. To take those thoughts captive and... God, you're going to be first in, in my emotions, but you're going to be first in my relationships this year. Open arms, I speak over you in abundance. I speak over you a tidal wave of lives that are going to be impacted and transformed by the gospel of Jesus. But this is a partnership. This is not me just sitting back asking God to do it. No, this is rolling my sleeves up. This is getting busy and it's saying, God, we got a community to reach. We got a nation to reach. So I'm gonna put you first in my life. I am rolling my sleeves up. I am not gonna sit in the shallow end of the pool any longer. I'm gonna accept the invitation to jump in and partner with you to reach this nation. First things first. God, I'm gonna put you first this year and for some of you God wants to be first in your life but you've never placed your faith in him you've never been forgiven of your sins you've never received him as your Lord and Savior and what I want to tell you is this is not a commitment to try harder or do better this isn't about going to church more this is about making him first in your life by recognizing you're a sinner and you need a savior. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? And I want to give you an invitation for you to put God first in your life. And if you've never been forgiven of your sins and you've never trusted him, this invitation is for you. And if you have wandered away and you need to come back to God, this invitation is for you. In open arms, I want you to all say this prayer with me. We're going to say a prayer out loud together as a church family for somebody who's going to put God first in their lives. Pray this with me out loud. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died on the cross and rose from the grave to forgive me of my sins. I give you my life. I give you my sin. I give you my shame. Forgive me 
and I'll spend my life following you. With your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, if you just place your faith in Jesus or you're coming back to him, I'm going to count to three. When I do, if that's you, shoot your hand into the air. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up all across this auditorium. Come on, everybody, let's celebrate the goodness of our God.